0: Welcome to the Attentive Heart Podcast, where we explore how an integration of mind, body, and spirit make us whole and enable us to become more compassionate to ourselves and to others. I'm your host, John Graboich. Today, my guest is Keith. So Keith, we've known each other for a long time. It's probably going on, I can't believe this, like maybe 25 years since we've been in college. Uh, but why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? And what occupies most of your time these days? That's gotcha. it.
1: Great. Um, I
0: am uh, in my mid 40s. I am
1: married to uh, uh, my wife, Mary. I have two kids, Ruth and David. They're nine and six. So they occupy a lot of my time, which is, which is great. I'm doing the t ball stuff and, uh, and other things. So that's good from a family. It was a lot of good family stuff going on. I am a Church accountant. I work for five different Catholic churches, doing accounting, uh, business manager stuff in the Philadelphia area, uh, mostly in suburbs right now, and still three or four city parishes. But most of my time is outside. Um, so I do. I love music in my spare time. I listen to a lot of music. That's my thing. I do when I have any free time. Some people, you know, uh, like to watch shows, like to. Do other things. I like to sit on the deck, you know, have a drink, listen to music,
0: a lot of different stuff, new stuff, old stuff, and a lot of Bob Dylan. Well, that's, that's exactly what I want to hear because that's what we're going to end up talking about. But I, before we get to that, I just want to hear a little bit about how you land it into – working for the church doing something like accounting. I mean, like a lot of people we know find that working for the church in, involves a certain type of explicit type of ministry. I don't know if many people would think that accounting is a ministry within the church, but but just tell me a little bit about how you became involved in doing that type of work for the church and what that's been like. I mean, uh, that's a very unique type of place that you find yourself. So could you just like unpack a little bit about that
1: well, I got an accounting degree in college, and I the only thing I, I knew that would get me a job, and um, I, was, I was good at it as far as that kind of work goes, and, but I wasn't excited about it, and, mm-hmm. uh, but I was like, this would get me a job, and I was a quiet, shy, didn't really like to talk, had like a... A little bit of a stuttering speech issue growing up so my image of accountant was i'd hide in a corner and do that well at the mm. at college at the sales you know at the, at our college we went together to the, the sales university um yeah. i started to become serious about the faith and started to you know kind of oh this is good and, you know, do this and i did a, i was doing a year of uh volunteer work in the city in the in, in philadelphia uh, working at a head start program and Me and a friend of mine, we started to go to Mass because, we, you know, as far as scheduling-wise, our parish that we got very involved in um, Mm -hmm. only had Mass at noon, so we couldn't go to it. So we started to go to other churches throughout the city, Philadelphia, uh, for daily Mass, Saturday night Masses, and we went to about 90 of the 120 churches in the city. Wow. Um, Kind of really getting into it.
0: And and that was, like, intentional? I mean, like, how did you— like, how or like, why did you do that exactly?
1: I grew up in Port Richmond, and we have five churches within eight blocks. And right. you know, kind of only went to my church, my Polish church, growing up. And mm-hmm. uh, I was like, went to these other churches. And the Nativity down the street is a beautiful church. This one's across the street, the German church, Our Lady Help, is a beautiful church. These are, and I said, all well, these churches in the city, i I'm, you know, I haven't really seen them. So we were like, let's go and check them out. We were really into our faith. We're at the same time, again, we were me and my friend, my friend Pat. You know, that mm-hmm. you know, yeah. We we're big into uh Dylan, Rolling Thunder, live album come out <laughs> yeah. about that time. Mass Anonymous <laughs> came out that year, so we right. were big into that. Right. And uh so we we were like kind of, you know, going and doing our volunteer work, going to mass every day, drinking a good bit, listening to some Bob Dylan do this stuff, and it's kind of like we started to go in this something about the city and being this we were we, we had hundred and ten dollars a month uh spending money and we were mm-hmm. we didn't have a lot of money. We were Doing these things, visiting friends, and you know, just kind of traveling around, and started to visit these churches. And I saw, gosh, I really like these city, the story behind these churches, the history behind them. You know, different liturgy, the different you know congregations, the different you know ethnicities, all this stuff. Right. And I saw a job for parish financial services, and I said, wow, that's that seems like the perfect combination of my accounting and my church, my love for the city church. You know, kind of these things, and. Went in. I applied. Eventually, got hired at that job about 20 years ago. Um, mm-hmm. In my mid 20s, started to work there, um, reviewing all the financial reports for the archdiocese of Philadelphia, all that stuff, and doing all those things. And uh, eventually, started to get part time work with pastors that I knew from different things. And uh, and eventually, you know, I work at for the last after I left the diocese about eight years ago. I was working for them directly, I work for individual parishes. You know. Yeah. So that's that's kind of how I got into it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, really cool. I mean, now I also remember back in the day uh you started a a community for men um who were single and were kind of like in that in-between time between like uh graduating from college as an undergrad and then kind of basically beginning a vocation either as a married person or as a priest or um can you talk a little bit about that, really quick? Like, what what brought that about? Because I'm assuming that's all happening at the same time that you were getting interested in just all these different churches, these parish communities, and, and just the makeup of of the the, the church in Philadelphia.
1: Yeah, as, yeah, that was a very important, I mean, crucial, crucial time. As I'm working for the mm-hmm. church during that time, imagine I think I started 2004 yeah. working for the church, and so in the almost 20 years, there's been a lot of tough tough stuff that happened internally working at the archdiocese during that time. That was kind of difficult, you know, uh, and uh, to get through that. But what really helped me with my faith during that time was being involved in a community that started in the row home that I owned. Uh, You know, I bought a row home next to my parents and Mm -hmm. uh, getting in Port Richmond and had a couple guys move in and we started to have uh, dinners on, Thursday nights, um, invite people over, kind of like play some music, you know, mostly mostly Catholic people, but not exclusively, and mm-hmm. kind of had this community that was a year or two at my house, and uh, I knew I couldn't keep going. It was a great community, a lot of life, a lot of just just Thursday night dinner and right. just hanging out, yeah, uh, with most mostly Catholic people. And then the convent, I knew the convent in the neighborhood opened up, um, school closed, and I was like, Well. Oh, Maybe we can move over there, get some more guys and there's a chapel in it and start to do similar things on a bigger scale. And, uh, so we moved in five or six guys, fixed it up, um, started to have uh, mass and confession every Thursday night, big dinners, music. There was a band that grew out of that, you know, that um, you know, did some stuff, was playing some gigs around town. Yeah. And um, we lasted about, you know, we had over 75 priests come visit during that time. A few wow. Push-ups. Wow. Yeah. To do that, you know. And uh, uh, but some of the times we had 70, 80 people like for Christmas things and stuff like that, 70, 80 young adults. And uh, I think we had one year I was at 11 weddings. Wow. Not from people, some directly that met at the thing and some, mm-hmm. you know, that but just just connected with the community. So that lasted Two years at my house, and we moved over to the uh, to the convent. It was called St. Paul's House because it started the year of St. Paul. That's so how we okay. named it back with uh, doing Pope Benedict's time during that. It was the year of St. Paul. I was like, well, that's the year starting. It seems seems pretty good. Yeah. And we did that, and that lasted about eight years. And, uh, it was good. Oh, it was it eight really. years.
0: Wow, I didn't realize it lasted eight years. Yeah.
1: Two, two years at my house and then eight years there, so ten years. Wow. I thought that was a wow. pretty good run for a young adult community. Sure, was like, sure. My, I was— and at the time, I was—I was like, "I'm too old for this." I'm, you know, married with kids now and everything like that. I really, so I think it kind of went—it, uh, I think it ran its course, and it did a great thing for a lot of people. And, it you know, and, but, but you, it really helped me working with the, in the church finances and seeing some of the, you know, behind the scenes stuff and seeing, uh, you know, um, some of the some of the things that happened during that time with the archdiocese. You know, difficult things. Having that lively, that alive, young adult community of just it's doing that really helped me through all that, you know? Right.
0: That. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, by the way, did you meet Mary through that? Your wife?
1: Yeah. Early on at the first two years, I, I, I met her. Somebody uh, brought her along. She was looking for something and mm-hmm. she came and, and it was definitely something. Neither of us It's funny. Neither of us. And I always <laughs> say myself, I would not, I would not like typically go to a young adult thing. It's a young adult Catholic thing. It's that's not for me. I remember I picture it's going to be in a, church rectory under bad lighting in a bad room and you know right kind of right this. right and that, that, that's a bad stereotype i'm sure it's great other things like that but both of us were like ah, this is not for me but we always try to keep it like a you know do our best not that we're like oh we're so we're the coolest people but like keep it a natural feel where it's like yeah we have mass and do this but it's you talk about I mean, we have some good we have bob dylan music playing here we have the right. kind of the unofficial theme song was the old old crow medicine show wagon wheel yes a, song, a wagon wheel that we- <laughs> Kind of get together and play that that kind of you know became the big thing, yeah you know, uh, as a thing that,
0: you know during that time, so yeah, well, that was such a great time. I mean, I remember going down and visiting it many times i mean i, I and the thing too is like this all happened so organically from mm-hmm. the way I remember, I mean, um, and I think that you know just like this this human need that we always have for community, I mean that's just really what this was all about, but I mean, I know we've already made allusions to this, but we're gonna be talking about music and specifically the music about of Bob Dylan uh who, as you know, I'm a humongous fan of, and mm-hmm. I look at it not just simply as someone who's just uh you know just the just this kind of like uh entertainment type of thing that I'm attracted to it it really uh speaks to my heart in lots of ways and in lots of different ways too, not just the music but even something about. Bob himself and uh and I just still remember being in college and uh and I think we were in the college heights and that's when I first realized that you were like a Bob Dylan fan but like a really big Bob Dylan fan like like you knew stuff that like like that was like after like say the 1960s stuff right and I was thinking oh not just that but like stuff from the recent stuff like the recent albums and Bob Dylan's career by that point was like, you know, almost pushing, what, 50 years almost, or well, at least 30 some, whatever. Um, but th- w- let's just talk a little bit about how we got into the music of Dylan, because I know that we can just keep on geeking out, talking about Bob for the rest of the this show, but I like to just kind of keep us focused on how this somehow resonated with other things going on in our life. Like you clearly uh, had something that was drawing you closer into your faith through different parishes, through churches. I mean, it started when we were both at DeSales. We had a great theology department. We enjoyed our time with our theology professors. So we were getting into our faith, and we were also somehow getting more into Dylan. And I don't think those things were somehow opposed, but they complemented each other very well. And as you already alluded uh, Dylan became very much of a big part of the young adult community at Saint at Saint Paul. So, I mean, let's just unpack that. Like, why Dylan? How did that happen for you? How, what was your entry point to that?
1: One it was good. Good timing, right? You know, to do of that of that time that when I was starting to get into it, it was right around the time that Time Out of mine came out, right? Yeah. So I think ninety seven. Ninety seven. I remember seeing yeah. ninety seven was the first time. And I was right in college. And I think 97, I got to the ninety in 96. I mm-hmm. graduated 96 from North and Montana, 90, 96, the freshman year around that time. And you go to college and you're like, man, this is, I know for me, it was a great jump of just being like, I was a quiet kid in high school and kind of kept to myself. And, you know, where I was from, I was like, I didn't really want to drink in high school. I loved the bad things. And I had mm-hmm. an older brother who kind of Got into that i was like i don't want to do that i don't know what i want to be but i know what i don't want to be right now right so kind of you go to college and you kind of we were kind of opening up and excited i remember that's that first six months of freshman year i feel like it lasted like five years it was such a eye-opening get on campus you see this stuff the world is all this big big you know everything's open now you know and so at that time of encountering coming in and Hearing some Bob music and, and you know initial stuff, and say, "Well, I'm starting with him. I know some of this stuff, but what's the new album out? Let me start with that." And it was Time Out of Mind, which I remember going to the, getting it from the Quaker Town, flea market, farmers market, from right from there. Yeah, yeah the, the farmers market. You know, coming yeah. back into the room and Tossic Hall, putting it in there and listening into it. It'd be like I've never heard anything that sound like. What is this? You right. And, <laughs> yes. And so that was a great like at that time being a freshman, being open. The world is opening up for you and having this album, which is like, obviously, it's not like a, the sound of it is not a 1997, right. not like a blues traveler or anything like that, which is great too. I love look back at that stuff. It's, it's fun, but like, sure, it's not of the time, but it's something so different. And I got to know more about this. I got to dig deeper. And then yeah. I think, that and I think he, it was 98, I think, 98 when he played at Lehigh. It was the first mm-hmm. time I saw him. Mm-hmm. And that was during his Larry Campbell, I think Charlie Sexton days, which were
0: just great. Yeah, for great, those you great, don't know, uh, those two guys are two guitarists in his band, and they yeah. would trade looks with each and other. For, and, and for and
1: for Bob fans, that's a great era. It's just like a you know looking back. There's so many. All of his live stuff is is so good. And stuff now I love and everything. But just during that time was a great, great time to you know get into it and seeing that you know seeing that show and, and doing that was just a great you know. Uh, you know, great time to get. while I was, what should I, you know, getting in the music. My job in high school, I had a job working at a CD, you know, you know CD distribution warehouse. So I'd get a lot of stuff. I, you know, get that for discount and things like that. And I'm right. like, well, where do I go next? And I was like, let's try Bob out. I think at that time, it was a big thing. Is your your world's opening up? You're open to new things. You're looking at this, and this, this is just so different and so, you know. So I think that's that's how it got started for me yeah i yeah. remember when i when we met in the heights we didn't know each other i remember that time i remember seeing right. we we're kind of talking like this guy knows about it. this guy i was like i know <laughs> i know him he's okay yeah he seemed like a nice enough guy but i don't know on the levels like oh man he's a really good guy he knows him, you know, really, really, <laughs> he knows him really well you know?
0: yeah that was so exciting i mean like i i always get i always get really excited when i, I meet someone who's just like so into dylan i mean i remember from my the way i got into it was uh, actually in high school, and it even goes before high school. It was the the summer before freshman year in high school. So this is, for me, 93, because I graduated grade school in 93. So going into high school, I remember those days when you would stay up late in the summer, and they would have those long info commercials on late at night. And there was one from Rolling Stone magazine and it was like the history of rock and roll. And so, you know, as you're watching it, they're scrolling through all these different songs and, you know, they're playing certain ones and they highlight the song that they're playing, you know, and uh, like a Rolling Stone came on. And I just heard a little clip, you know, because they're just kind of sampling things and there was something about the sound of that song. I was like, I've never heard anything like that before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and that's, that's always how it is with Dylan. However you kind of start, it's like, I really can't compare this with anything. And, Mm -hmm. uh, there was just something about the sound and, you know, you mentioned before about like your, I guess you would say your fascination with churches. I mean, this is another type of fascination of the same, um, in in the same vein where there's an aesthetic to it that just draws you in and you know that you're not going to be the same after this. and. And I think that's the beauty of art, sometimes explicit art, like say paintings, architecture, music, but it probably can happen in any type of way where you have an encounter with something that you just can't really categorize in any way. And because you've had this encounter, everything else is different. And, and and I think for both of us, we have a similar experience with, with Dylan. Um, So for you, and you mentioned that you were working, you said at a record store that you were working or where were you? It was at? like
1: a warehouse. Uh, okay.
0: Distribution, yeah. Okay. Warehouse. So, so what is music meant for you? Um, like, up, or at least what did it mean for you up to that point uh, before you got into Dylan? Like how, how was music integrated into your life? Like, what did that mean for you?
1: It's just always been the thing. I think I I, I remember my youngest Going back, the youngest memory is getting my mom's 45. She was big into music. And my mom, mm-hmm. I remember one of the first ones I got into was, uh, was Hollow Notes Your Kisses on My List when I was about five years old and playing it, playing it over again. And then, yeah, the next stage when I remember the big era where I really get into that music where it's just like, man, I want to listen to this song all the time and do this was the mid 80s, like George Harrison, um Rui Urbison, you got, and the Traveling Woolbury stuff, like yeah. that, and all that, all that period. It just, it's always been a thing where it's just like you for me and different different things going through high school it wasn't dylan at the time but like certain things just going in my room getting into the beatles and having the headphones on and going through and listening to the anthology and i guess like for me it was a time i had being in my place growing up where i grew up it was like this is funny it's a funny musical story but i was in you know you know where i'm at port richmond in yep. the neighborhood. And it's yep. about the time I was 12, 13 years old, probably. And you go to the playground, you're hanging out. It's about the time everybody started to drink and hang out. I was like, okay. I'm going to do this. Am I going to go and do that? You know, I was like, I don't think I do. And I just remember somebody like hanging out at the playground and somebody walking on across the street with a boombox playing, uh, walking across, strutting across the basketball court, playing, blasting Paul Abdul straight up.
0: <laughs> yes. And,
1: and, I, and I was like, I was like okay, it's not a great song, but I was like, but I was like, and not, not to say that's, you know, but I was like, I don't know if this is for me. Is this what I want? Is this to see that I want to be in? And it was like a very good moment for me where I was like, that's what, I know what I don't want to be. I don't want to really be starting to drink right now when I'm 12. I don't want to start to do this. And I kind of like went and found a friend or two that are mm-hmm. my friends now, good friends still to this day. And we hung out and we saw some movies and we listened to a lot of music. And I listened to music and it helped. It was that kind of thing where I I feel like sometimes as a kid growing up, it's like it's important to know what you don't want to be before you know exactly what you do want to be and music was kind of helped me through that time of being like you know you know uh i love this i can even if i'm not out there you know where i want to be as far as fully you know you know kind of being what i was going to become kind of like hanging back and quiet and shy and doing this having that music and sitting with the beatles and i remember walking feel like that i walked to i skipped my class when the Beatles Anthology 3 was released, I walked over to Lanco, yeah. too late, and around the corner, like a, like a mile away, I didn't have a car. I walked over, bought the Anthology 3, skipped my class, went back to Tosic, and listened to all my headphones, and it and yeah. was just like, this is great, and as you're kind of, those things, and it's just like, that's the kind of, and that's a memory for me, the music is like, yeah, I remember a lot of things with people and everything, but there's and and, and doing this stuff, but but music, just having that time, and Sharing it with, for me, I don't know what's better: sitting on the sitting alone with me, and listening to you know myself, you know, having a drink, listening to music, or having going back with you guys and sitting and sharing and getting you know listening to the fragments and listening to time out of mind together. Like they're they're both just like that's why I don't know if I'm an introvert or extrovert at this point. Right, but where do you right. recharge? What do you do? Like I don't know. Like right? Well, I like listening to music by myself or other people. More. I don't know. It just but it's just like you know. Anyway, yeah. I don't know if that that's a rambling thing, but go
0: ahead. That, that's okay. I mean, but I mean, if, if you didn't catch that, what Keith's talking about is the fact that now, uh, he and I and other friends of ours who are equally big into Dylan, will have our little Dylan nights where we'll just sit around intentionally listening to Bob and we have like a, I guess a little system. We each like pick a side of a, an album to listen to. So, and we're kind of pretty much all into the vinyl now. So that's kind of fun, except for you, Keith, we got to get you more <laughs> on board with there, but sorry. Right. Um, you know, I I've had vinyl records my whole life. So I feel like I've never had not been part of that culture, but now it's kind of like a trendy thing in some ways, but I'm happy that it's a thing. Um, yeah. So, you know, when we talk about music, and as you've been what you were saying, it just reminds me so much of 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 what I remember growing up as well that you know uh that you start to really find music as a way to uh give yourself a type of identity something that you wanna hold on to that's something that you fall back to um and we know that that time of of our formation you know you 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 have a choice to join a tribe and uh you know, your music really becomes part of the tribe and it defines the tribe and it kind of indi- and it reveals to other people what tribe you're part of. So, I mean, as we've gotten older, I don't think that necessarily music means the same thing. It's not like I want everyone to know the type of music I listen to so I can be identified as part of some type of tribe or some type of movement necessarily. Um, I, I think that it actually is... is, is goes a little bit deeper than that right now. I mean, so when you when you say that, you know, you knew what you didn't want to be and music was a way to help you through that, um, well, how did it help you know what you want it to be? Like, and eventually did it play a role in helping you vocationally, let's just say.
1: Well, if we're going to go to Bob, I mean, you know, vocationally and seeing this is, uh, I mean, Bob's not. Bob's not a church accountant. Doesn't do that. You know that. You know they do that. They leave that. But vocation, the way right. he sees life. You know, we talk about that of the nonstop touring. And I, I oftentimes be like, man, he's 80, 81, 82, I just sent you a text the other day. I was like, yeah. he recorded Shadow Kingdom when he was eighty years old in his eighties, and he's right. still doing this. Like, like this, still pushing himself. Like, still, like throughout, still touring, still doing yeah. this. So,
0: yeah. yeah. And totally, re- and totally engaged with it
1: too. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. And w- writing books, and doing radio shows, and painting, and everything like that. And I guess, like, for me, Bob specifically in that, as far as a human being and, a, and an artist and all that stuff, is like, and you're in your forties, you know, and like you're doing something. Make sure you're doing it. Like, you know, you're. It's a vocation. It's a calling. And you're and you're going to do that. And, uh, and uh, you know that would be. That's always been the biggest thing of seeing him as an example for me of. You know this and that, and he says he talks in the spiritual terms of saying this is a calling, you know, and this is I made a deal with the chief commander, right, you know, like you know, <laughs> yeah. the the since 1988 or 90 or whatever it started, you know, right. they're just touring and doing this because this is what he's been called to do and this is what he loves, and I think that's the thing and seeing in the music and seeing there's no way he's mailing it in right in shows and and just going in and doing this and. What does he want? Like, not like a jerk. Not like, I'm going to play what I want. Like, oh, he was going to play this. He's like, he's challenging himself, and that's best for us. Like, it, it would be bad if he was just doing it and mailing it in and playing right. the greatest hits for what the people wanted to hear. Right. He wouldn't, he wouldn't be able to function like that. So the fact that he's challenging himself and doing this stuff. And
0: yeah, and I, I think I think it might be good at this point to just kind of touch upon what it is we're trying to express here. I mean, what makes a Bob Dylan concert so unique is that you have no clue what's going to happen at it. I mean, uh, it's so funny when you go to one because it, it's there's just so many different type of people there, all different ages. And you know some people there are there for the first time. Other people have been there for like their 120th time, right? I mean, and it, the funny thing is when you have the first timers there who are expecting, you know, like a, a greatest hits rollout, and Bob doesn't play anything from The Greatest Hits. And he doesn't clearly, if he plays something that's older, it doesn't sound as it would sound on the record. Uh, so it's all different. Uh, he, You know, the lyrics may be different. Clearly, the arrangement's different. And you, when you leave the experience, like for the person who's just willing to just embrace what it is and not to really have any expectations... I mean, it is a really transformative moment, a transcendent moment to just be able to be present to just allowing someone to just do what they genuinely feel called to do. I mean, to just be in that space is very powerful. And I think that's what keeps us racking up all the concerts that that you and I have gone to see. And I mean, I've seen them like over 50 times, which like sounds so obsessive compulsive, but like, in my mind, it's like, that's not even enough.
1: No, no, yeah, yeah. I think I lost track at 40, like of that. So I don't know. <laughs> okay, like that. Like, 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 but I I think that's a uh, sit back and being open. Like the idea it was a long time ago where the idea of like, even though you do have certain songs you want, kind of like, I like to hear right. this. Or, this sure. is one of my favorites. It's like, I would never, the idea of shouting out a song or requesting a song, would be like, no, 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 I want you to do what you're going to do. Right. Like, what do you want to do right now? That's what I want to hear. Like, because, yeah, really
0: have, yeah, yeah. And, and what a tremendous, like, Less than that is, I mean, can you imagine if we take that attitude with just people in general, like, mm-hmm. can you just be truly yourself? Because I think what you're getting at here, and clearly this is, you know, how I feel about it is that when you are captivated by something that you cannot put in any other category, like, like you said, when you listen to Time Out of Mind in 1997, when I heard Rolling Stone, when I was, you know, going into my freshman year in high school, when it's so unique, there's nothing you can say other than, well, that is clearly what that person's supposed to be doing. I mean, that that is their vocation being revealed for the rest of the world, you know? Right. And at that point, uh, I guess you could just dismiss it and think that it's not really a big deal, but if you are able to really genuinely know that this is something that is completely not something you can kind of just box in or put into some other type of, um, you know, genre or category or whatever, however you want to look at it, like that just to me is the sure sign that there is something unique about each person. And this is a manifestation of it coming through in this one particular person. And for me, that's what has drawn me more and more to just allowing Bob to just be Bob, right? Uh, To not get frustrated with what he's going to do next. Uh, I was just preaching a homily about this, actually, and I was using Dylan as an example. I said, you know, uh, how many twists and turns in his career, and every single time he makes a turn, he does something, he gets everyone annoyed, because they're not, uh, he's not doing what people wanted him to do, you know. Um, But, you know, I also think on the other side, too, you, you talk about how, like, you know, not calling out a song during the concert, just let it be what it is. I mean, I often come back to the gospel story of Jesus having the, the encounter with the the blind man and clearly the guy's blind and clearly there's this whole idea that, well, I guess this blind man's calling out to Jesus because he wants to be healed of his blindness so he can see, but Jesus doesn't just barge into the situation and just kind of say, okay, I see what's going on. This guy needs to see, I'll fix it. He just pauses and just allows the guy to be himself and just say, you know, what do you want me to do for you? Like allowing him to kind of reveal what his need is, um, where his hurt is, where his wound is. Because for all we know, maybe the guy didn't want to see, maybe he had some other ailment that he wanted Jesus to pay attention to, right? (laughs) I mean, we don't know that that's exactly what he wanted to be healed from, right? So like, I think in a certain sense, when a vocation comes a lot from one's wounds and hurts, pains, desires, uh, and when you just say, okay, I'm just gonna allow Bob to express himself the way he feels he needs to express himself and to respect that, I think there's something really powerful about that i don't know does that resonate with you in any way or
1: yeah and i think i think the idea of like how do we do that to let bob be bob um for me and let other people let other people do that is the avenue i i do have, my favorite thing and it's probably developed there is to go up with you and listen to bomb music and how we share music because i'd rather hear your choices and a lot every time we get together i'm playing the uh my father built a mansion on the mountain. Whoever did I know he does that. But the songs that I took back and I, what is the song you showed, Albatross? Oh, right, uh, right. right. Yes.
0: No, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you're,
1: yeah. you're pro- anyone listening, you're probably not familiar with the song Albatross from Fleet by Foot with Mac because I wasn't <laughs> at the time. But it's a very, yeah. you said, this is a bedtime song. And you played it at the end of the night, <laughs> right? We were all like at the end of the night before we went, you know, left. Yeah. And I've shown, I put my son who's six years old, I showed him that song, right? Yeah. And put him to bed. Now he yeah. will only listen to that song.
0: That's so cool
1: to go to bed and i just think it's so cool that he'll, he'll do that but i like going to hear for me when I my favorite thing to do is go around and see you guys see other one of my friends sit down with a bluetooth speaker or vinyl or whatever is we get it right. yeah. and have them show me the songs that they want i yeah. want to hear them more than i want to show them i love showing them because this isn't deep in my heart and i want to do this and this but i love hearing this and i love remembering you know you like this song right and playing it later like this is and they're like oh yeah this song's my favorite it's like no, know because you showed it and that's like such a way of connecting. And I want music for me, like to show this, like someone shows, I would say, I want to get to, you know, I want to get the, into the conversations with people where they get so excited that they start to spit when they're talking because they're <laughs> like, you know, like, like that, they're like, this, this is what I right. love. I'm, we're connecting on this and music is the thing for me. Yes. Let's get together. I will drive around. And that's what we're back in the. Time that, and when we were I was visiting the churches, and me and Pat were, you know, listening to Rolling Thunder and doing this, we drove around and went out. We had no money, we would go and visit people. Let's listen to music and do this stuff and connect. And, like, for me, that's music for me is like, show me what you love. And this is a, you know, I love that, you know, and, and not that I'm gonna love everything, but a lot of times when you you connect on those things, and it's like, this is great, you know.
0: Yeah. And I, I think maybe that that might be like the, the, the thing that connects what we've all been. What we've been talking about maybe just the way we can even end this conversation is just that music plays a role in helping us to become close to each other to helping us form a community and it just seems that you know whether we are the ones who are actually producing the music or the ones who are actually listening to it and sharing it there's some type of interconnectivity that happens with the whole experience um you know you, when you mentioned about your community that you started, you know, in your mid 20s, music became such a big part of it. And, and I just don't know of many things that can really get people from different types of backgrounds and different types of, say, ideologies that they hold on to, to be able to talk to each other and to really listen to each other when you're talking about music. I mean, what, what is the communal aspect of music meant for you? and you can say just in general or specifically with Dylan or. You know. Well, that was, you know, I, I know for me, as you were like,
1: from building that community or starting that, of have, having, having that all come together at my house and then going to this bigger thing where people were responding to it. And I always had an image in my head of like, just we're all going to get together and there's going to be a band playing uh that, the, the like, you know, whatever song, you know, it ended up being Wagon. It was like, that was the central point. Like you, you have an image of it and it's like, this will be the thing. And it's not only, it's not only that, because there's other ways and people don't always, music is not on the forefront for them. And I tried to get this. That's why we needed a giant place. I'll tell you this. Cause we had the Rojo. And yeah. so when you would start playing the music, yeah, and I was like, most people liked it, but there was no place to go. If you were like, not, that wasn't your connect. I know that's not everyone's. So you talk about love right. languages or things like that or how they express sure. it. It's like, this might not be their style of music. Even now, when someone goes to see Bob live, I'm like, get ready, because you might not like it. <laughs> right. It's that's a very challenging, true. It's a challenging thing for you. Do you know all the stuff? Do you know this? Are you ready for what it is? And do this? Right. So that was almost a reason this con, you know, we moved into the, the old convent was a giant building with, you know, you were, you know, like all these right. rooms. So there were spaces in other rooms to say, the focal thing we're gonna this is gonna be where we're gonna connect and this is and it did and it worked and there was a band that grew out of it and those were some of the great memories and there was space for other people who it wasn't their thing or do this like that and we loved them and do this stuff and it wasn't you know the thing. But that was the image and that when it came to fruition, it was really to see how, you know, God works through that. Like so many of those things unfolded in that. And music was a way to do that. It was a key thing. It was like music will be the key to this developing. And I have to say it was. Like, you know, we said we lasted ten years as a young adult community and how many people I think we had we were connected with C L, you know, the movement. Community we had like eleven yeah. pe- eleven people from Italy lived there over the time. Like wow. you know, like you come over there to do this and different movements that came and stayed and all these things, but like I had to say over the years, like, what if I think of one thing and the great memories of that, it was the music that was, you know, kind of, we get together and have this, you know, kind of thing that cut through all this, you know, you're from Italy, <laughs> you're right. from coming here to do this, you're in grad school over here to do this and, and, you're, and you're doing this stuff. And uh, so it, for me, you know, that was, uh, like you said, it really brought everyone together.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, so thanks so much for this time, Keith. I mean, I I think that we underestimate the power of music. I mean, maybe it's just something that we think is a nice thing to do or listen to, but I, I hopefully in the course of this conversation, we're able to kind of convey that uh, it is something vocational and vocation ultimately is what yields healing and healing is found in community. So um, what a great little, um, discussion here let's just uh, end here with uh, talking about for anyone who's listening who doesn't know anything about bob dylan or maybe doesn't even really care to know anything about bob dylan if you were um keith to just have someone try to enter into say the bob experience where would you start them what would you tell them to do
1: for me, it would go, and i, I don't underestimate this. Is saying the most recent thing that was released, yeah, is Shadow Kingdom. Is that from that? You know, what Shadow Kingdom is the recording of a semi-concert during the pandemic when they couldn't have right. concerts. That he recorded these in studio, semi-live kind of thing. Like, that. and his voice is just like for where he's at now. Like, you know, that's what got me. It was where it was that? Nineteen ninety-seven was Time Out of Mind, which was kind of. Yeah. odd sounding you know right. down the road not like a, you know but at the end of the day like you said like a rolling stone every time it comes on the radio i gotta leave it on
0: oh of course it's a, of course. You know, like
1: every every time it comes on i gotta roll the windows down and do this uh, <laughs> no, i know <it's>, <laughs> i hear you
0: i think yeah, i'm gonna but, crank it up for the minute we're we're done this one yeah this conversation
1: yeah. yeah yeah but i would say that's that's what i'd say just where it got me i would say i'm really amazed by this i'm really the voice is so good at 80 years old that he's putting something out. It's a good range of his career of different, you know, but very coherent, you know, like a great sound and everything. But anyway, that's what I would
0: yeah say go there. You know. I think I remember when I was in my getting ready to become a deacon uh, and at the retreat that we had before our ordination, the priest who uh, led it gave us a list of like different cultural um, references or just lists of Books or art, operas, other types of music and things like that. And he made a great point. He's like, you may listen to something or read something and you may not like it, but don't think that it's not good. It's more a problem with you than a problem with what it is that you're reading or listening to. And I think that that might be something to take when you listen to someone like Bob Dylan. You may not get it or like it or understand it but there's something to it because he wouldn't still be at it for over what, 60 years now, um, 60 years. Uh, and people haven't wouldn't not be coming to his shows if there wasn't something going on. So uh, another opportunity to, uh, let Bob be Bob and to see if you can see somewhat of a vocation that is emulating from him and, ask yourself the question what is your vocation thank you so much keith for this time i appreciate this with you
1: yeah no thank you it's always it's always great talking
0: looking forward to our next dull night peace thank you for listening to this week's episode of the attentive heart podcast we hope that you were able to find it helpful in your spiritual journey and practice This podcast is produced in collaboration with Sunday to Sunday Productions and The Witness Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and share it with friends.